RD Talks, brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia. Alone Against the Flames by Tracy Auburn. Horrified, she stared into the burning car. Four people were trapped and only she could get them out. Brenda Azar gazed at the wheatlands of central western New South Wales, rolling past the passenger window of the white Toyota station wagon. Her husband, Georges, a 43-year-old public relations officer, had been driving for several hours. Knowing how important it is to take breaks on a long trip, they had stopped an hour earlier for breakfast at a roadside rest area. You look a bit tired, darling, Brenda said to her husband. Do you want me to drive? No, he smiled. You can take over when we get to Dubbo. They had set off from Melbourne at midnight, hoping their daughters Chantal, 6, and Dominique, 8, would sleep through much of the 1,700-kilometre trip home to Brisbane. It was now 8.30am and their plan had worked well. Chantal was still dozing and Dominique was playing sleepily with a toy. Satisfied that the girls were happy, Brenda lay back and closed her eyes. Alone with his thoughts, Georges glanced at the green figures of the car's digital clock, about an hour to go to Dubbo. Georges was used to long-distance driving, but now the featureless Newell Highway unwound hypnotically in front of him. As he approached a bend in the road, he did not notice the car drifting towards the edge of the asphalt. With a rush of fear, he realised what was happening. His head snapped up, but he was too late. Brenda woke to the sound of screaming tyres as Georges tried to wrench the car around. No, she heard him cry. Oh God, no! As the front wheels hit the roadside gravel, the car skidded and flipped onto its side. Brenda's ears were filled with the shriek of crumpling steel. Glass fragments burst over her as the windscreen collapsed. Then the car rolled over and over, like a spinning cigarette butt. Brenda was hurled about in a maelstrom of bags, maps and brick-red roadside dust. Slowly, the tumbling ceased and the vehicle came to rest on its roof. Stunned, Brenda was crushed against the window. As she struggled for breath, a buzzing sound filled her head. Next to her, Georges was semi-conscious, blood welling from his scalp and running through his dark hair. Then, a child's shrill wail broke the silence. At a farmhouse a few hundred metres from the Newell Highway, 39-year-old Janelle Matiski hummed as she watered the tubs of flowers on her veranda. Summer days in this region are usually hot and dry, with temperatures often reaching 40 degrees Celsius. This January scorcher would be no exception. Minutes before, her husband David had driven off in his utility to start the day's work on their 5,000-hectare farm. Their 15-year-old son, Scott, was home on holidays and had gone with him. Kelly, their 10-year-old daughter, was still asleep. Now the yard was silent, except for the hissing of the hose and the distant hum of a car on the highway. As Janelle pointed the hose at a tub of Daphne, the distant engine suddenly faltered. Then she heard the loud rasp of gravel churned up by tyres leaving the road. Janelle tensed, waiting for a crash. Then she heard the wrenching thud of a car overturning. Seconds later, a huge cloud of dust rose above the highway about 300 metres away. Janelle's mind raced. She had learnt first aid, vital in an isolated place like this, and she knew that seconds were crucial. The nearest ambulance station was 14 kilometres away and calling would take precious seconds. I've got to get them out in case there's a fire, she told herself. She ran to her car and accelerated down the driveway. My babies. 
Brenda Azar tried to twist her upper body round so she could see the girls, but a savage pain seized her right shoulder. Dominique began to sob with terror. Is Chantal okay? Brenda asked. I don't know, Mummy, Dominique cried. I can't see her. Brenda tried to work out a way to reach the lock on the door next to her. The catch, a wedge of dark grey plastic, was directly below her left shoulder, but her left arm couldn't reach it. She tried again to move her right arm, but was paralysed by a vicious stab of pain. There must be a way out, Brenda thought. As she looked for an opening, smoke began to leak from the air conditioning vents. Please God, don't let us die. When Janelle Matiski pulled up, she saw a pall of dust drifting across the road and a white station wagon upside down in knee-high grass on the roadside. She leapt out of her car and ran over to the wreck. The station wagon was cruelly battered. The roof had collapsed on the driver's side and Janelle could see flames coming from the engine. Then she heard a cry. A child! Janelle thrust the fingers of both hands under the handle of the buckled door and pulled. It wouldn't budge. She heaved again with all her strength. Still nothing. I've got to get them out, she thought. Peering through the front passenger window, she could see that the lock button was on. Behind it, she saw what appeared to be a pillow. When it moved, she realised it was a person. The door's locked, Janelle shouted. Muffled sobs came from the interior. Then a woman's voice cried out, Oh God, please open it. Janelle scanned the highway, hoping to see another car. But it was deserted. Turning back to the wreck, she tried again desperately to open the door. More flames now spurted from the engine. The air was thick with the smell of burning plastic. Wild with frustration, Janelle pounded on the window with her fists. Brenda Azar listened helplessly to the woman banging on the window. I've got to unlock the door, she thought. But how? With her right shoulder badly injured, her right arm was useless. But to use her left hand to reach the lock, she would have to twist her whole body away from the door, throwing her weight onto her injured shoulder. She knew the pain would be almost impossible to bear. Years before, Brenda had tumbled from a speedboat in Port Darwin, and by the time her friends had noticed, she was out of sight. She could barely swim, but for minute after endless minute, she had held on, grimly treading water in a harbour notorious for saltwater crocodiles. Several times Brenda had almost slipped under, but she had kept on fighting. More than half an hour later, the crew had found her, still bravely keeping her chin above water. Brenda eyed the button behind her and tensed herself. God, give me strength, she prayed. Twisting her torso, she reached for the button. A wave of pain swept through her. For a moment, she felt herself blacking out. Don't pass out. God, please help me. Then, somehow, her fingers closed round the smooth wedge of plastic. Outside the car, Janelle saw the lock slide open and she pulled at the door handle with every vestige of her strength. The door swung open. It'll be all right, she said to the woman inside. Janelle grabbed Brenda under her arms and dragged her away. With Brenda lying on the roadside, Janelle turned back to the station wagon. Flames were now leaping from the engine and smoke was pouring into the interior. Nearing the car, she heard the child cry again. Don't worry, sweetie, I'm coming to get you, Janelle called. The fire was spreading quickly and Janelle saw that it would soon engulf the front of the car. Mummy, where are you? 
The child sounded terrified, but if Janelle didn't help the driver immediately, he'd be dreadfully burned. Somehow, Georges had struggled to the passenger side of the car. Reaching in, Janelle took him by the armpits and pulled with all her strength. As she heaved him clear of the wreck, she heard Brenda screaming behind her, My babies! Please get my babies! The car was now blazing fiercely. Petrol from the leaking fuel tank was feeding the flames. Peering through the smoke, Janelle saw a small girl wearing orange shorts and a T-shirt huddled on the ceiling. Janelle reached in, grabbed the girl and pulled. My back, the child sobbed. My back hurts. For a moment, Janelle hesitated. She knew the danger of moving anyone with a spinal injury. But the flames had now reached the front seats and the heat was intense. I've got to move her or she'll die. Janelle scooped her up, edged back onto the road and carried Dominique away from the burning vehicle. My baby's still in there, pleaded Brenda. Please save her. Janelle stared at the car in dismay. There's another child in there. Janelle was reaching the limits of her endurance. She was panting wildly, her lungs frantic for clean air, but she knew she had to go on. The perils of bringing up a family on a remote farm had often tested Janelle's inner strength, but only once had she faced such a gruelling test as this. One night, four years before, her husband David had suffered a severe asthma attack and had collapsed. Janelle had radioed for an ambulance, but as David struggled to breathe, she had become more and more alarmed. I can't wait any longer, she had thought. If they could meet the ambulance halfway, she had reasoned, it would save precious minutes. David was too weak to walk on his own, so she had grabbed him under one arm and together they had struggled forward. But Janelle was slightly built and David weighed 110 kilos. Metre by metre, they had battled their way to the car. Then, drawing on the last of her strength, Janelle had manhandled him inside. Eleven kilometres down the road she had met the ambulance with its life-saving oxygen. David had recovered in hospital, knowing that Janelle's grit had saved his life. With Brenda's plea in her ears, Janelle willed herself to battle the fire once more. I've got to do it, she told herself. But as Janelle turned toward the car again, smoke poured from the doorway where she had crouched moments before. Searching the interior, she could see no sign of movement. Where's the child? she cried. Maybe, just maybe, she had been thrown into the back by the impact. Janelle ran to the back window. Georges, now on his feet, held the tailgate handle and pulled. It remained stubbornly shut. The two rocked the whole wagon back and forth, hoping that the movement would free the door. It worked. The tailgate shifted slightly in its frame and then dropped open. Weak from loss of blood, Georges could help no more. Again, Janelle was on her own. She crawled into the vehicle, tearing at scattered bags and toys and hurling them behind her. Through the smoke, she saw a little girl's pale, terrified face. Janelle reached out for the girl, scrabbling at the belt round her waist. I've got to get her out. Other cars had arrived by now. A man's voice outside yelled, Get out! The car's gonna blow! Despairingly, Janelle heaved once more at the belt and suddenly, Chantal was free. Got you! Janelle hugged the child close as she scrambled backwards out of the wagon. Then she stumbled over to Brenda, carrying the little girl to her mother. Janelle stood panting as flames boiled over the tailgate and leapt high into the air. The car was engulfed, but the family was safe. She had beaten the fire.
Brenda was treated at the hospital for a fractured and dislocated shoulder, Georges for shock and cuts to his head. Dominique had a badly bruised back. Chantal's thumb was deeply cut and given a hundred stitches in the first of seven operations. Janelle drove home, seemingly unaffected by the accident. But months later, when she saw the burnt-out car in the wreckers' yard, the full horror hit her and she choked back tears. The Azars keep in touch with Janelle, but Brenda still finds it hard to talk to her without weeping. Janelle was a gift from God, she says. He sent us a guardian angel. Janelle Matiski received a Governor-General's Bravery Medal, one of Australia's highest awards for courage. She also received a bronze medal from the Royal Humane Society. The Azars flew to Sydney to be with their rescuer for the presentation. We're not ready for long-distance motoring again, says Brenda. We almost lost our children. Nothing is worth that risk. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia, a division of Direct Publishing. Direct Publishing.